Pierre Barlow uh, was a gunner uh, in the forts of Mont-Valeran uh, during the Prussian siege of Paris, which I gather was in 1870, apparently. I did not know that, but that until I looked it up. But there was a Prussian siege of Paris in 1870, and Pierre Barlow was a gunner for the French protecting the city of Paris. And one day he was standing by his gun when his general, uh, General Noel, the commander, uh, came up and uh, levelled his telescope at the Sevres Bridge. And he turned to Pierre and he said, Gunner, do you see the Sevres Bridge over there? And Pierre said, yes, sir. And do you see that little shack in a thicket of shrubs to the left? I see it, sir, said Pierre, but his face turned slightly pale. Uh, The general said, it's a nest of Prussians. Hit it with a shell. Pierre turned paler still, but he sighted his gun deliberately, carefully, and then fired it. Well hit, my man, well hit, exclaimed his general. But as he looked at Pierre, he was surprised to see a great big tear running down his cheek. He said, what's the matter, man? Pardon me, general, said Pierre. That was my house, everything I had in the world. Now that man, Pierre, uh, followed through in a very extreme way what Peter says we must do ourselves. Not necessarily shoot the shack we live in. But look at verse 18. Verse 18, Peter writes, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Peter says that we must be submissive to our masters. Or as we might say today in a perhaps more modern sort of context, uh, as employees, if we are an employee, we should submit to our employers or those who have authority over us, our masters. And you might say, well, that's all very well. Uh, That's fine if you have a good master, if you have a good boss. But what about if you have a bad boss? What if you have a cruel master? Uh, Surely we should not be submissive then. But look what Peter says in verse 18. He says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. It's a hard word, isn't it? Peter says that we should be submissive to our masters, not, even, not just those who are good and kind and general and righteous, but those who are harsh those who don't get it right all the time. Because Peter is continuing the theme that we um, have been speaking about the last few messages in 1 Peter, that we should honour all people. Uh, As believers, if we are a believer, if we are trusting in Jesus Christ and our sins have been forgiven by him, then we should be people who show honour. 
We should shine in this world because people look at us and they see the honour that we show to others. And Peter gives us two reasons at the end of this chapter why we should show honour to our masters, to our employers, if we have them. And those two reasons are, firstly, because it is commendable. Uh, It is commendable to submit to employers, even when it causes us to suffer. And secondly, he says, because it is Christ's example to us. And for the rest of our time this morning, uh, we're going to look at those two reasons in more detail. Uh, We'll see in verses 19 to 20 how Peter explains that it's commendable to suffer for the sake of submission. And secondly, we'll see how Christ demonstrated this in his own life and gave us an example in verses 21 to 25. But let's look at this first reason. Uh, Peter says that it is commendable to suffer as we submit to our masters. Look at verse 19. Peter says, This is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable, commendable before God. Uh, Peter says this, there's nothing commendable about suffering for our faults. We make a mistake, we do something wrong, and we suffer the consequences of, of it. Nobody's going to say well done for that. <laughs> That's just uh, reaping what you sow. Uh, there's uh, no commendation in making a mistake and then having to uh, pay a fine or suffer the consequences. But on the other hand... If we, in the course of doing good, suffer unfairly for it, perhaps because of an inconsiderate or a thoughtless boss, Peter says that is praiseworthy in the sight of God. But it does raise a few questions, that, doesn't it? Especially in our modern world. Because if you follow that through... What it sounds like Peter's saying is that we should always obey our bosses without question, no matter what harm it might do to us or to others. And someone might well say, well, what about abuse? Um, Bosses can abuse their employees, can't they? Uh, We see stories of it almost perhaps every day in the news of an employee who has abused his or her position of authority and has caused great harm to those under their um, service and under their care. Uh, so what do we say to that? Uh, what do we say to, in response to what Peter is saying when it seems so clearly wrong to allow masters just to simply do as they wish regardless of the pain it causes? Well, we need to understand what Peter is actually teaching in these verses. Uh, Did you notice what Peter says in verse 20? He says, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, 
This is commendable before God. What Peter is encouraging in these verses is patience towards God. Patience in the course of suffering. And we need to understand what that means. What does it mean to suffer patiently? Well, look at it like this. Uh, What's our natural response to abuse and injustice? Uh, How do we instinctively react to it? Well, instinctively, we want to return like with like, don't we? Um, If someone insults me, I want to insult them. Uh, If someone punches me, I want to punch them back harder. Uh, That's what our natural inclination is to do. That's how we think we can solve the problem, by fighting back in kind. Or if we don't feel like we can do that, perhaps the person who has hurt us is bigger than we are. Uh, Perhaps they have more authority than we have. Perhaps we're worried what the consequences will be if we stand up to it in more courageous ways. We sort of settle for more cowardly ways, don't we? We perhaps whinge and gripe to others behind their back. Perhaps if we have an unfair boss, we, in the office, just undermine them and just um, snidely make comments about them behind their back, and we try to tear them down in that way. Uh, This is the natural way that we respond to being treated harshly by others. But that's exactly what Peter says we must not do not return like with like. Instead, we should have patience in the face of injustice and we should give that injustice to God. That's what it means uh, when it says in verse 19, this is commendable if because of conscience toward God. When we suffer at the hands of unfair, unrighteous rulers and masters, we should give it to God. And patience means, giving it to God means, dealing it in God's way, dealing with it in God's way, and not our own. And that doesn't look the same in absolutely every circumstance. Uh, We saw last week, didn't we, how God has given government to us. And God has given us government for the punishment of evil and the rewarding of good. That's God's gift to us. It might not feel like a gift all the time, but it is. It's God's gift for the punishment of evil and the rewarding of good. So if we have an employer, a master, uh, who is abusing us or others, in such a way that they break the law, the law of the land, the law of the government, then we have every right, if we choose to, to go to the law. Now, Peter does not emphasize that in these verses, because in the time which Peter lived in, servants, who he's speaking to, did not enjoy all the rights and privileges that we do today. Uh, We have lots of safeguards in the workplace, don't we? Uh, The government makes sure that there are rights for workers. And if we are mistreated, 
Uh, we have contracts that we sign and all these things which keep us safe so that we can appeal if there is injustice, if the law is broken. Sadly, in Peter's day, servants did not have such freedoms, did not have such rights. They could not appeal to government in the same way. Nevertheless, God was still there. And Peter says, you can appeal to God. Leave it in the loving hands of your heavenly Father. Don't take it into your own hands. And that's what we must do as well. But we have the privilege that we can also go to the government, go to the rulers and leave it in their hands as God's appointed servants. What we must not do is take it into our own hands. Uh, We must not seek to take revenge ourselves and try to sort it ourselves. Because this is the great tragedy. Uh, So many people, when they have a grievance in their relationships, uh, they take it anywhere but to the places that they should take it. Uh, They either bottle it up inside or we bottle it up inside and we make ourselves bitter and twisted and we sort of chew on it over and over and over again. But that does nobody any good, least of us ourselves. If there's a grievance, it should be dealt with, not just bottled up inside. At other times, we sort of take it to other people with gripes and moans, people who can't solve the problem, but we sort of makes us feel better to just complain. I'm sure we've all been in uh, workplaces or places like this where we can hear the things which are said about the boss. And Peter is teaching us, don't join with that. Don't be a part of that. Be submissive to your masters with all fear. Don't join in the griping and the moaning and the complaining that happens so much. Or others still, they they take it out like a child who's been told off might take it out on the family dog. Uh, Perhaps they've been told off by their parents and so they kick the dog. Uh, They go to something lower than them to take out their frustration. We can do that too. Uh, Our bosses have frustrated us and so we take it out on those who we have authority over if we have them. And Peter is saying all those responses are wrong. All those responses do not help. Those responses actually hinder, and they prevent us, if we're a believer, shining like lights in this world. We become just like the world instead of being distinct from it. But of course, you might reasonably say that there's a good reason why people don't always go to the government or to the law when they are abused and when they suffer injustice, because that can be costly, can't it? Uh, Who wants to take, uh, who who wants to um, point out the faults of your boss to a higher authority? Uh, If it doesn't go well, then your career could be in jeopardy. Your job certainly could be in jeopardy. And this is why so many people do simply whinge and complain and backbite. Because the alternative to actually deal with the problem could cost them greatly. But that's what God calls us to. Uh, He calls us to do the right thing, 
regardless of the cost. That is praiseworthy in his sight because it demonstrates that we have a trust in him. That we trust that he will work it together for good. And I'm told that uh, Arabian horses uh, are trained rigorously in the Middle Eastern deserts. And the horses are taught to learn to obey their master fully. And their obedience is tested by the horses being deprived of water for many days. And then turning them loose near water. Uh, As the horses get to the edge of the water, and just before they drink the water they desperately want, the trainer blows his whistle. And if the horses have learned to obey, they turn around and come back to the trainer, who then gives them as much water as they need. Do you see what that trainer's doing? He's training them to obey him explicitly, always, fully, all the time. The trainer knows what his horses need, and he will not allow them to die of thirst, but they must trust him. And that's a little bit like God's dealings with us. Uh, God knows what we as his children need, and he wants to supply it, but he wants us to trust and obey him. And sometimes that is hard. Sometimes that is frightening. Sometimes it is difficult, but it always works out for the best in the end, if not in this life, in the next. That's why Peter says, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, it should be said that when we suffer injustice, uh, we don't always have to go to the authorities. Uh, Sometimes we can show mercy, and we need wisdom to know how to respond in different circumstances. And let's pray to God for the wisdom to know how to respond to a situation. Uh, Some offences we can simply forgive and ignore. Other offences must be dealt with and wisdom is needed for that but the principle remains the same what we must never do is take justice into our own hands vengeance is mine says the lord i will repay let's not take justice into our own hands and that's what peter means when he says we should take suffering patiently that's the first reason now the first reason we should do that is because it's commendable in the sight of god it's what god commands us, what God calls us to. The second reason is that it's because Christ has shown us that this is the way we should behave by his example. Uh, Look at verse 21 onwards. Peter says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. The second reason we should be patient uh, when we are mistreated by those in authority above us is because we should follow Christ's example. Uh, Christ, of course, 
had no recourse to government, did he? Um, He was already standing before Pontius Pilate, who was the one putting him on trial. Uh, He had no recourse to the Jewish authorities because they were the ones who had put him on trial in the first place. Yet Jesus didn't respond by insulting those who insulted him. He didn't respond by reviling those who were lying about him. Uh, He didn't threaten himself when people were threatening him. Instead, we're told that he was like a lamb going to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth. But instead, as it says in verse 23... He committed himself to him who judges righteously. I love that phrase, he committed himself. It suggests the idea that he willingly puts himself in the hands of God. And by doing that, he demonstrated that he trusted his father. And he did that even though it cost him more than it will ever cost us to do the same. Because of his committing his life into his father's hand, he suffered more than we can even hope to imagine. Not only the agony of crucifixion, which all of us shrink from, just the thought of it, the thought of having nails hammered into your wrists and to be slowly suffocating on a rough wooden cross. It doesn't bear thinking about. But it wasn't just that. Uh, Jesus also endured all the righteous wrath of God on that cross. You'll remember in Gethsemane, just before he went to the cross, he prayed to his father, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And by that cup, he meant the cup, as it were, of God's wrath, which is referred to in the Old Testament. Uh, All God's righteous anger against sin, which he handed to his son. And Jesus said, if it's possible, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He committed himself into his father's hands. And although the choice, if I can say this reverently, terrified him, he swept drops of blood in the garden. Nevertheless, ultimately, he trusted his father's will more than his own. And look at the result. Look at the result. We're told in Hebrews that for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. Yes, he had to go through the night. Yes, he had to go through the pain and the suffering. But at the end, there was joy. At the end, there was greater joy than he could possibly have had otherwise. He went through the dark night patiently that he might enjoy the dawn. And if he hadn't, none of us would be here. None of us would be able to enjoy the joy of sins forgiven. 
because it was only through going to the cross that our sin could be forgiven. It was only there that Jesus could pay the price that was necessary. And because of that, we can all be forgiven this morning if we trust in him. Um, Romans says that by dying on the cross, Christ became the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. And there is now a huge multitude, and it's growing every day, of people who are experiencing the joy of salvation because of what Christ suffered. But if Christ had responded like with like, if he had not submitted in this situation, endless misery, misery would have been the result, not just for him, but for others, millions of others as well. So Peter's commending us. He's saying, don't just look at the short term. Don't just look at the short term suffering. God can use a short time of suffering in our lives for great good later, either in our own lives or in the lives of others. Don't look at life through the narrow lens of this world. Uh, Don't look at life just merely through the prism of your pain. Look at it from God's perspective. Listen to what he has to say and endure patiently. Taking advantage of the gifts he gives, taking advantage of the opportunities he gives to us to right wrongs and injustice, nevertheless, ultimately leaving it in his loving hands. Jesus himself said, didn't he? Uh, He who saves his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying if we cling to this life, if we desperately try to make our lives as happy as possible as we see it, Jesus says you'll lose your life. You won't gain the happiness that you seek. You will not gain the joy that you truly seek. But if you give it into God's hands, if you trust God enough, to follow him and not your own inclinations, then you will find your life, even though in the moment it may feel like you are losing it. That's the second reason why Peter gives us why we should show honour to even harsh bosses, because it's the example that Jesus has given to us. And with those thoughts, and before we come to uh, the Lord's table where we remember more, of what Christ did for us. We're going to sing our final hymn, number 755. And it's a hymn, again, of trust in God, that no matter what we experience in life, we can still look to our Heavenly Father, if he is our Father. It's number 755. My times are in thy hand. My God, I wish them there. My life, my friends, my soul I leave entirely to thy care. So we'll stand to sing in closing number 755.